Welcome to Forward Focused. I'm your host, John Reich, and in each episode, we're helping you take another step toward becoming a more effective and well-rounded leader. In today's episode, it's part one of a two-part series. We're going to have 10 leadership lessons in each episode from billionaires. So one of the benefits of being in the Keller Williams ecosystem is on a pretty regular basis, I get to be in a room with Gary Keller. Now you may wonder who Gary Keller is, and for those of you who don't know, he is the co-founder and current chairman of Keller Williams Realty and KWX. This is the largest real estate company in the world. It's privately held, and its culture and the way in which the company is run has been studied by Stanford and Harvard. Gary Keller is one of very few billionaires in the United States, and he's not just a billionaire of financial wealth, right? He's got a billionaire mindset, the way he thinks, the way he communicates, the way he um, speaks with others and helps others achieve their goals is incredible. So it hit me like a ton of bricks when I was reviewing some notes from the last couple of years that I've been in the room with him multiple times and there are so many different lessons that he's given to all the leaders in within his organization and I felt like doing a two-part series would be super helpful to um, kind of dive into some of these lessons and how they may apply to your leadership journey no matter where you may be on on the process or the journey that you're on so there's 621 billionaires in the United States as of the end of 2019 and there's lessons that have become truisms. They've become uh, realities that anybody can learn from or grow from. The first lesson that that Gary talked about, it was actually from an, a conversation he had with Warren Buffett. And it was that people will not unify if you do not lead them. Help them discover what teamwork is. If you think about everyone wanting to row in the same direction, picture a boat. And if you have certain people rowing at the wrong time or at infrequent times, right? Uh, maybe persons one and three out of a five person team row, and then two and four and five are rowing at a different time. The inconsistencies of that boat, it's not going to get you to your journey as efficiently, as smoothly, or as effectively as possible. A great book that is helpful in regards to getting your team on the same page is The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. I've referenced it before here at getforwardfocus.com and I want to bring it back to the forefront again because it's a great book that focuses on communication, it focuses on work, uh, love languages and what your coworkers expect. It focuses on working together um, and, and having compromise at the forefront of your relationships. The last thing around unifying your team that you want to focus on, getting to know their purpose getting to know why they were attracted to your organization or attracted to uh, the, the team that they're now on. Remember, it always starts with what's in it for me. What is my role in the team? What am I gonna get out of this team operating at the highest level? The next quote that really stood out to me was, you don't have to travel the world to change it. I love this one, mainly because of the visual that it, it provides. Um, a, a great podcast that looks at leadership at, at a global scale is called the Global Leadership Podcast. And what I love about this podcast is it brings different leaders, industries, and um, economies to the forefront, looking at different styles of leadership. I'll give you an example. Um, in the Middle East, um, 
servant leadership or leadership of the self, focusing on your own personal goals and then living out your life's mission based on your own personal goals, that's actually frowned upon uh, in the Middle East. In the Middle East, it's very much community-centric, community-driven. What is this, the, the, the right thing to do for the community or the group of people? You put others before you put yourself, right? And in the United States, it's very much of like, you got to identify your passions, your own core values, your personal belief systems, your own mission. And then once you have that identified, you go find a community that you can belong in. So that's an example of how I've never been to the Middle East, yet I've read many uh, different books. I've talked to different leaders who have been there. I have friends who have lived there, um, are from there, and I've picked their brain about societal norms and how leadership works. And again, that Global Leadership Podcast is a great resource for you to get dialed in on how leadership works all over the world. The final thing on that, there's industries that um, exist in different parts of the world that have been disrupted due to climate change, due to uh, innovations. We're gonna talk about that in a little bit. And so the more that you have a deeper understanding of how this world works, um, even without traveling there, uh, the better you'll be more equipped to work and to thrive and lead in a global economy, which is really what we've been in for two decades at this point. My personal favorite is this one. You have to make peace with the boredom of focus when you want to succeed. I'm gonna repeat that one. You have to make peace with the boredom of focus when you want to succeed. In a day where we have squirrels in every direction, shiny object syndrome, those that can be disciplined and focused on the right activities day in and day out, in other words, as consistent as possible, will thrive. Leaders understand that you have to make it simple, whatever the goal is. And then you consistently focus on achieving that goal with simple, clear, and repeatable steps. Steve Jobs started with the mission at Apple, right? So when you think about that leadership style and that approach, their number one goal was to transform the way in which people communicate and people live their lives. That's a huge goal, that's a huge vision. But every single day they came in with the focus of doing one thing. What can we innovate today? What is a current problem or current issue that our country or society or people are facing that we can solve? And what it turned out to be was what's in everyone's pocket right now, this little phone. But the thing about this phone is it does more than the first supercomputer that Steve Jobs built. And so what does that tell us? What's the lesson? He said, make it better, make it better, make it better. How can we make it better? What's one thing we can do better? How can we make this even better? And every year, that was his anthem. That was his focus, make it better. And in fact, Apple lost its way for a little bit. The One Thing book talks about this. But when Steve Jobs came back to Apple after he had left the company, they had over 300 plus products that were in design. The company had lost its way. And the very first thing he did in the first few months, he whittled it down to 10 products that they would focus on. One of which was the phone, one of which was a larger version of the phone, now known as a tablet, and one of which was actually your iWatch. From 300 plus products to 10, the focus was simple, it was clear. And yeah, it can be boring. 
but that boredom will get you to a life by design that you never even knew imagined if you're focusing on the right things. Getting up every day at 6 a.m. to be as fit as you possibly can, meal prepping every Sunday and eating chicken with rice and asparagus five days a week, that's boring. And yet it yields you the, the results that so many people desire on TikTok. Number four, when you want to supercharge your life, you have to put the hours in, the extra hours, because then no one can catch you. Long hours are not virtuous. They're not. You need to have balance. But depending on where you are in life, long hours can be very strategic. I want you to think of Kobe Bryant right now. It's hard to believe he's been gone nearly two years. But when you think about Kobe Bryant, he was the first one to show up and the last one to leave. Now, did he have a loving family? Did his girls look up to him? It was very clear based on post and the love and outpouring that, yes, they, they had a relationship with their father. Yet he was very strategic, especially coming into playoffs or coming uh, from uh, into preseason right before a season would start. He would double down on his focus, on his regimen, on his training. And do you know that he would not leave his practice until he made at least 1,000 free throws? A thousand free throws after 20 years in the NBA and a multi MVP. So if you want to think about getting unreal results, when you want to think about really achieving at a different level, billionaires are telling you right now, depending where you are in life, long hours and putting that, that time in can be very strategic. And this is where that mantra or saying comes from. It'll, it'll be worth it in the end right? I'm doing this now. So it's, it's a worth it in the end. And here's what I want you to think about around this point. It may be a short-term sacrifice for a really long-term payoff in whatever world that may be in your leadership or in your business or organization, the short-term sacrifice of maybe not having Sunday fun day and, you know, swimming and having margaritas and actually focusing on, you know, building what your the rest of your week may look like or the rest of your month might look like. Maybe it's listening to that podcast or writing that next five pages in the book that you've been wanting to write for the last five years. Whatever that may be, that short-term sacrifice could have really, really long-term payoff. Next up, the individual that changes the world is the one who never gave up. This one's a little idealistic and I understand that. But in Gary Keller's podcast, Think Like a CEO, he talks about how many times he wanted to throw in the towel. He talks about the times that he went bankrupt. He talks about the time uh, that, that he almost lost everything at the very start of, of launching his business, right? But 37 plus years later, he's got a global sales force that's larger than anyone on the planet. Everybody wants to be his company. And it's because he had a relentless pursuit of focusing on helping others on helping others actualize their dreams and grow their business. He never gave up. He's had people slander him and talk poorly about him. He's had people steal from him. <laughs> and, and yet it's a relentless focus on what matters to him. And for him, it's that agents will always remain the center of a real estate transaction, that they're the fiduciary, that they matter most. And if they, if they have the technology and resources to give their clients a world-class experience, they'll always have a place in the transaction. Think about how many times in the last year you gave up on something, a diet, an exercise routine, maybe calling your family 
on a consistent cadence that you said, I want to do reading a, a book a month, whatever it might be. And then realize that billionaires don't give up and you may not want to be a billionaire and that's okay. But the lesson that's learned from that is if billionaires who are succeeding at a high level and employing hundreds, if not thousands of people, and they're influencing and leading people at a massive level, if they aren't giving up and they're continuing to, to just keep swimming, as my great friend Dory says, why aren't you? Here's the thing. I love Mondays because it's the perfect time to just hit reset. It's the perfect reset. Some people I know hate Mondays. They despise them. And I look at them and I say, man, if you don't like Mondays, you probably don't like Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, maybe Fridays you do like. But that means that, you know, 70% of your week you don't enjoy. 70% of your focus isn't locked into your passion or what you enjoy to get the most out of life. I feel, I feel for those people. So I, I, I encourage you to really think about never giving up and looking at Monday as a reset. It's, it's a whole new mindset uh, when you do that. Okay, here's another one that's awesome. The fact of the matter is, is you can either disrupt or be disrupted. Now, this is specifically talking about business and industry. I want you to think about the railroads and the railroads that were being laid across the country in the 18 and early 1900s and what kind of change that made to folks who owned horse carriage and donkey freight companies. Think about that for a moment and think about these these owners of horses who had five, 600 horses and they were shipping freight across the country and they would say, those trains are, are, are dangerous. They're not proven. They could explode. They'll crash. They'll run off the tracks. And then I want you to think another hundred years forward as the automobile and trucking industry, as well as plane, just took off. And what trains owners and train leaders had to do Oh, wait a minute, You're, the plane could crash. Tires blow out. Trains don't have tires. See, we, we think today in our modern life that cars and planes and trains and all these different things are just natural, but you gotta understand it's been a progression the entire time. And this ties into my next point. There is massive difference between organic growth and disruptive growth, and you need to know the difference. I'll repeat that. There's massive difference between organic growth and disruptive growth, and you need to know the difference. I'm going to give a really clean example on this one. First off, the book that you want to look into is called The Innovator's Dilemma. The Innovator's Dilemma is all about being disrupted versus being the disruptor, okay? And it's about somebody that already has market share, yet they need to be, you know, proofing their business for the future. So it's the person that sees that the automobile's the future, yet they're still owning horses and they know that for the next five to seven years, horses are still gonna be very profitable. Well, how do you have the best horses while you're investing in the car? That's the innovator's dilemma, that book's phenomenal. I wanna talk about organic versus disruptive growth though, because there's a huge difference and there's a great analogy that will help um, kind of bring this to light. So I want you to think of the modern day car dealership. And I want, to th I want you to think of the car dealership over the last 20 years and how it has or has not changed, okay? If you go into Texas right now, Austin, Texas, for example, there's Ford and General Motor dealerships that are 150,000 square feet with between 500 to 1,000 vehicles just sitting on the lot. 
a lot of physical space taking up, a lot of money just sitting there, open to the elements. I know in Michigan, earlier this year, we had really severe flooding and dealerships lost hundreds of vehicles, thousands of dollars of inventory due to that flooding, right? Well, at any rate, if you go onto these dealerships, you got to you know walk through and you look at the different vehicles and then you got to see if you can get pre-approved in the financing department. And then they want you to sit with their financing department and they try and sell you wheel insurance and I don't know, rust coating stuff. And you're not really sure what you're paying and it's not always transparent pricing and the price that you saw online is different than the price that they're being quoted to you now. And so the experience, to put it best, is probably, I don't know, between three to five hours at best right? And at times it's stressful and it can feel like you're being duped. Now, this isn't a knock against car dealerships. It's just what the experience can be for a lot of folks. Well, then let's look at something like Carvana or Vroom. Carvana has come along, Vroom has come along, and they're on the side of strategic highways in different market markets. And in Carvana's example, they actually have like a tower of cars with rotating floors that can go in and out of the ground. And so instead of having 150,000 square feet, they have 15,000 square foot facilities. And if you're looking online, the pricing matches, you can chat with somebody in real time and everything matches to your experience when you go to a Carvana spot. However, when you get to Carvana spot, it can still take you a couple hours to be able to purchase that vehicle, to go with their financing, right? There's still some of those not bundled or clean services that people look for. However, Carvana has disrupted what GM or Ford had done, right? And then flash forward one more time to Tesla. You can walk into a 5,000 or less square foot facility, build out, design, and color your Tesla online or in studio, you can buy a Tesla from a Tesla. And by the way, did you know that the average time a customer's in Tesla's facility is nine minutes? Because they've done all the work ahead of time. They've been checked in by the sales force, the technicians, the engineers, and you can build everything online. Nine minutes. So from four to five hours to nine minutes. That's the perfect example of organic growth, which is just let's grow by 5% more next year. Let's sell a few more vehicles to disruptive growth. Tesla's market cap on the stock market is greater than all the other companies combined that I mentioned. Think about that for a moment because Tesla is not just a car company. And by the way, I don't own any stock in Tesla. I'm not an endorser of Tesla necessarily. It's a leadership lesson in terms of disruption. What are you doing in your business, in your organization to be forward focused, thinking about the ways in which you need to be disruptive? Because if you aren't thinking about it, somebody else is. I promise you that. Which leads me to the next point. There's always a disruptor. And when it stops being you, it's going to be someone else. One of my favorite podcasts outside of forward focused is Business Wars. If you haven't checked out Business Wars, it does such a nice job of highlighting up and comings versus folks that have had market share for a long time. It talks about how Starbucks got started and the need that they felt that they could provide to the consumers. So remember, the day you stop disrupting yourself, the day you stop asking yourself, like, what can I do differently? What can I do better? How can I serve our consumer base at a higher level? It opens the door for somebody else to come disrupt you. And so if you think about Warren Buffett, for, for 60 plus years, he's been known as you know, this guru on investing. 
He's stayed tried and true in his lane in terms of what he knows. But yes, he's embraced things like ETFs, right? They didn't have ETFs 35 years ago. So he's had to learn how these traded funds have worked and how they can play a role in his portfolio or what he offers with Berkshire Hathaway. So it's the same idea. Every single day he's looking at, okay, what are the cryptocurrencies that are now starting to catch uh, momentum? And how would that play a role in government, in countries, in you know economies around the world and how is that going to influence the stock market so that's another tangible example and i think business wars could be a good resource if you want to dive deeper into uh, that disruption conversation two more points on these first 10 points in part one of uh, leadership lessons from a billionaire number nine when you don't have what you want in life you're missing a relationship when you don't have what you want in life you're missing a relationship now this isn't just about a person right? It's not a relationship with a person. It can be, and oftentimes it is, but it could be a relationship with the knowledge on how to do something, a resource, a tool. Maybe it's a relationship with yourself. But I love this was that whenever you're not where you want to be in life or in business, taking an assessment of what your current team looks like, what you currently have in place, what systems you have, and ask yourself, what are you missing? What's that relationship that you need to put into place? It's funny, um, Miguel Cabrera is one of the uh, preeminent uh, hitters of all time in the major leagues, right? He just passed 500 uh, home runs hit through his career in the 2021 season. He got married at 19 years old. He was signed and scouted when he was 15. And at 19, came over and played in Miami for the Marlins. Won a World Series by 23. Married, kids, World Series, all before 23. He turned to drugs and alcohol, right? He had money to spend and he had the life to live. What Detroit ended up doing, Miami and Detroit working together, but when he came to Detroit, we actually, the the organization got him a life coach and 24-7 accountability partner. Gone was the booze, gone was the partying. Not that it wasn't easy, But those things were taken away from him so he could just be focused on what he needed to do and what he did best. And he only went on to hit the 500 home runs and uh, be a multi-American League MVP and, you know, the Triple Crown, which is incredible. Just Google Triple Crown if uh, you don't know what that is. My point is, is that that what he was missing right? Was a relationship with that accountability. And by the Detroit Tigers having the foresight to put that into place with him, he became one of the best hitters of all time. And then final point, 10 out of 10, here we go. Before we go into part two, the team is what wins the championship and they blow up the team. And then they trade players when they aren't winning those championships until they get the right team in place to win the championship. It's always the right people working together. I think back to um, 2004 with the Los Angeles Lakers taking on the Detroit Pistons. And everybody favored the Lakers, right? They had Shaq. They had Kobe. They had all of these bench and role players. I mean, this was an all-star squad. But here's the thing. They weren't playing like a team. You had three or four different MVPs or all-stars that wanted the ball. They wanted the spotlight. Whereas you had the Detroit Pistons that were focused on ball movement, defense, 
rotating quickly to their man to cover, getting in the face of the other uh, squad, right? And the Detroit Pistons, of course, won the 2004 championship. And right after that year, that Lakers team was dismantled. And everybody really essentially, except for Kobe, was shipped off or traded. There's a lesson in that. Teams win championships. One of my favorite quotes that ties into teams winning championships is if you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. Again, it comes down to what's your ultimate goal? Where do you want to go? And who around you can help you get there? Whether you're disrupting your industry, bringing in a new team member, uh, looking at a new service or product that you want to deliver. How are you leveling up your organization, your focus to be relevant and to be thriving over the next five years, decade, two decades, et cetera? One last resource around uh, working as a team that is just a, he's a, he's a huge influence on, on myself is Craig Groeschel and his leadership podcast. I've mentioned him before on here and I'll probably mention him again. Craig Groeschel is just an incredible leader who, um, he, he looks at leadership in a different way and he's been an inspiration for what we've done here at Forward Focus. So check him out if you want more relation, uh, more resources around you know building a team and developing relationships in your world. So that there concludes the first 10 points out of the total 20 points that we're going to be covering. There's a part two to come. I know it's been a lot of information. I know that this talk was a little bit all over the place. This talk is designed for you to go back and re-listen again and again and pull out little nuggets that you can apply into your life and business. Remember, where you are today isn't where you'll be next year, five years, 10. And so you'll hear these things differently as you continue to re-listen to them. Additionally, what we've done here, the team's put together a resource doc that you can get below that has uh, all of these different bullet points organized for you and all the resources that I referenced in one spot for you. So a huge shout out to the team for making that happen. If you found value in today's content, please be sure to subscribe so you never miss a lesson to become the leader you deserve to be. And until next time, lead on. 